Welcome. Welcome to Modern Mind. To Modern Mind. Ancient book. Ancient book. Where we together explore one of the most important books in human history. Welcome to another Modern Mind Ancient Book. Doug, good to be with you, sir. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. However, it's kind of ironic that uh, the book that we're going to talk about, the book of Job, is about somebody who wasn't doing so good for a while. Yeah, and we pitched the idea for this podcast, noting that we were going to go through the book of the Bible in chronological order. Meaning Genesis really probably isn't the first book of the Bible, but instead it's Job. Some hearers might find that confusing because Genesis is a creation account, but in terms of the oldest story that exists in the Bible, it's probably the book of Job. You're right. In fact, it's so old that we uh, have very little information on it. We don't even know who, who the author is. Although some people have speculated about it, you know, there's a an oral tradition that's associated with, with the book. But uh, it, it is really a fascinating story because uh, it, it occurs when there are no Israelites in existence, which is unusual if you look at the rest of the Bible. Yeah, and that raises a question. How did this book, grouped in a series of five books called Wisdom Literature... It's actually ancient poetry, uh, considered a poetic work, and wisdom literature. So how did this book become the Jewish Bible? And I actually have a a theory about that. Doug, you want to learn about it? Yes, please tell us. (laughs) Okay, the land of Uz is the land of Edom. Modern day, south west Jordan and south Israel oddly that's where Israel crossed over and where they dwelled for quite a while Jethro who was a priest of Midian Midian is the same land as Uz and Edom was Moses' father-in-law I have a theory that because Jethro was such a central part of the formation of the nation of Israel that this book through oral tradition i.e. it was taught or spoken of for a long time before it was written I do believe uh, like Jewish historians believe that Moses compiled this information my theory says that Moses compiled this information because of Jethro's influence Jethro lived in the land of Uz. And thus, we received the oral tradition, which was the book of Job. It was compiled by Moses, and it was included in the Jewish scriptures. What do you think about that theory? That's certainly an interesting theory, and I think it's as good as a a number of other theories that are out there. But I also think that the actual story of the book is what we should should focus on. Well, before we get to the story, let's talk about the dating. Because what I what I propose is just a theory. There's no guarantee that it's true. It does go along with what we've seen in history, what 
uh, Jewish scholars have believed for a very, very long time, and certainly what Christian scholars believe. Now, there are liberal scholars who believe that the book was written during the time uh, that Israel was being held captive in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, which is an interesting theory. I find it the weaker of the two, given that the book of Job is written in a very weird form of Hebrew. It's uh, more poetic, but it's not only more poetic, it's more archaic. There's no mention of a sacrificial system, of a priesthood, of Moses, of laws, uh, that sort of thing. So I would think that the weaker of the two arguments, i.e. a later date versus an earlier date, the earlier date has more merit and that earlier date is somewhere around 2000 bc doug you want to give us an introduction to the story of job yes the story of job occurs where there's a heavenly court and there is a uh, host of heaven that goes before god and job comes up as a righteous individual satan who is, who is the accuser, wants to test Job to see if, if Job will only uh, be faithful to God as long as God is blessing him. So God says to Satan that he can test him, but he shall not take his life. Yeah. And so thus begins, uh, I don't want to say adventure, but uh, a series of events where Job loses his family, Job loses all of his possessions, and uh, he is covered from head to toe in boils. Yeah, and I, I want to address some issues that seem to pop up. And getting ready for this podcast, I listen to kind of both sides of the aisle. So we're doing our best to present the book for what the book is. It's just the book itself. There's no reason... For us to talk about the theological implications of this in relation to something that's not contained in the book. So I find that to be a common occurrence that when the religious use this book, they use this book systematically to tie it into later works. Um, and then they also use the book as a sort of apologetic as to what God is doing in relation to the suffering of man and how men are supposed to relate to that. But the book actually opens with a kingly court in the heavens where God, the ruler God, is hosting a conversation with his heavenly creatures. And the opposing team, Satan, shows up as well. And then they just have a frank discussion about what otherwise is a decent man. The book actually records Job as being very wealthy and having a high status in society. So he was a very important person on earth, and he was known by the king of heaven, and he was also known by his adversary. Now it turns out the adversary is both the adversary of the king of heaven and of Job. So this book has an interesting turn of events. Now, religious people see this as a positive thing. 
non-religious people see this as a really, really horrible thing. And I would like to note for the hearers, those who are joining us, that this is poetry and that we're supposed to let the book say what the book says. We can enjoy the story without offense. We can enjoy the story without making it ultra positive. Let's just learn what the story says. There was a king, there was a host that came before him, and there was an adversary, and now we get into the story of Job. Now that's chapters one and two. Continue with Job's friends, Doug. Well, Job did have three friends who uh, came and sat with him. And those three friends uh, basically challenged Job by saying that uh, he must have sinned and that's why he is suffering. Yeah, it, it starts almost immediately, doesn't it? Because Job, uh, he's just down and out. I mean, he lost his family, he lost his wealth, he's lost his health. And Job starts out with his friends by saying that he just wished he was never born. And then his friends begin the argument that God is just, he's the ruler of the heavens, and he rules in a way that makes it so that sinners or those who break what's good, they do not do what's good, they suffer, and only they suffer. Job argues the opposite to all three of his friends, and they continually attack him, and he continually responds, and Job does not relent. Tell us about the fourth friend, Doug. The, the fourth friend, I believe, even at one point says it must be because of some future sin that Job is going to commit. Yeah. So they're just really dialed in on the fact that, that that Job is is wrong, and they believe anything contrary to what they're saying is is not correct uh, interpretation of how God judges the world and what God does in the world. Yeah, Elihu uh, comes into the picture. Now, he's not in the beginning of this, and there's some question as to where these final chapters, even God's whirlwind and all that stuff, which we'll get into, kind of gets in here. But we don't have to be uncomfortable with that either because a work of art um, can be continued on, you know. Uh, and that's kind of what appears to happen here, that this book of poetry was um, continued on in the tradition of Israel. It appears that maybe Elihu is the image of that version. Uh, you know, that it's probably an addition, possibly. And um, Elihu makes a further argument, just like you said, that Job is guilty of some future thing, and God's trying to spare him from it. And then comes God onto the scene with an equal sort of argument. You, this whole thing is argumentative, and then God comes on the scene in the story argumentative as well. Take it from here, Doug. Well, there's a huge contrast between the beginning of the book where God is in his heavenly uh, uh, court and at the end of the book, it's an audience with, uh, with Job alone. Now, Job throughout the, the body of the book says that he wants to make his case before God. It didn't go as, as he expected. It didn't go as, 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 as Job expected. God asked Job a series of questions about his creation. They're, they're really rhetorical because Job can't answer any of those questions. 
and Job is is left in 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 I would say stunned silence because everything he thought he was going to say to God just went out the window. You know, Job had prayed that he would uh, not be so terrorized that that he could not speak, but I I think that he was given enough to respond had he wanted to, but he saw uh, just the the grandeur and the majesty, the glory of God when compared to who he was in the creation. Yeah, the the final arguments that you see in this book where God appears in the whirlwind and asks all these very difficult questions in a very ancient way is is quite interesting. And, And you can read all the way through it and you won't be satisfied because God never actually explains to Job why he suffered. Instead, the God in this story just says... I'm God, and who are you to question me? And in the end, in this book, Job just apologizes and accepts what he doesn't know. And thus, the story ends. It's quite an interesting interaction. It's definitely a work of art. It's definitely something that should be treasured in human history. It's not something we should look down on. It's not something we should disrespect. It's not something we should be willing to change. It's not something we should be willing to harm. It's something we as a culture and as a people in this world should treasure and understand and seek to understand it more. That's my position on the book of Job. Let me just add one more thing. Uh, The end of the book does state that God restored uh, uh, all of Job's fortune uh, that he had lost. He replaced his children. Uh, That's one of the challenges of the book. You know, if, if, if you lose a family member, can they automatically be, be replaced? So uh, it's an interesting book to contemplate, and it's worthwhile to study, as really people have been doing for thousands of years. Yeah. And if you want some related reading, check out John chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, and Luke 22, chapter 31. We want to thank you for being with us today with another episode of Modern Mind Ancient Book. And we wish you the best, Doug. Say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week. Thank you for joining us. Come back soon. Thank you for joining us for Modern Mind Ancient Book. We hope that the time spent with us was valuable for you. It certainly was for us. Like Isabella said, Please come back soon.